0: section thirty six of the fortunes of nigel by sir walter scott this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter thirty four to this brave man the knight repairs for counsel in his law affairs and found him mounted in his pew with books and money placed for show like nest eggs to make clients lay and for his false opinion pay hudibras our readers may recollect a certain smooth-tongued lank haired buckram suited scottish scrivener who in the earlier part of this history appeared in the character of a protege of george harriet it is to his house we are about to remove but times have changed with him the petty booth hath become a chamber of importance the buckram suit is changed into black velvet and although the wearer retains his puritanical humility and politeness to clients of consequence he can now look others broad in the face and treat them with a full allowance of superior opulence and the insolence arising from it it was but a short period that had achieved these alterations nor was the party himself as yet entirely accustomed to them but the change was becoming less embarrassing to him with every day's practice among other acquisitions of wealth you may see one of davy Ramsay's best timepieces on the table and his eye is frequently observing its revolutions while a boy whom he employs as a scribe is occasionally sent out to compare its progress with the clock of st dunstan the scrivener himself seemed considerably agitated he took from a strong box a bundle of parchments and read passages of them with great attention then began to soliloquize there is no outlet which law can suggest no back-door of evasion none if the lands of Glenvarlock are not redeemed before it rings noon lord dalgarno has them a cheap pennyworth strange that he should have been at last able to set his patron at defiance and achieve for himself the fair estate with the prospect of which he so long flattered the powerful buckingham might not andrew Scurly witter nick him as neatly he hath been my patron true not more than buckingham was his and he can be so no more for he departs presently for scotland i'm glad of it i hate him and i fear him he knows too many of my secrets i know too many of his but no 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 i need never attempt it there are no means of overreaching him well Willie, what o'clock he hours just chap it sir go to your desk without child said the scrivener what to do next i shall lose the old earl's fair business and what is worse his son's foul practice old harriet looks too close into business to permit me more than the paltry and ordinary dues the white business was profitable but it has become unsafe ever since pa what brought that in my head just now i can hardly hold my pen if men should see me in this way Willie, calling aloud to the boy a cup of distilled waters so now i could face the devil he spoke the last words aloud and close by the door of the apartment which was suddenly opened by ritchie Manipolis, followed by two gentlemen and attended by two porters bearing money-bags if ye can face the devil maister scurlywidder said ritchie ye will be the less likely to turn your back on a sack or tway of siller which i have ta'en the freedom to bring you sathanas and mammon are near akin the porters at the same time ranged their load on the floor I i stammered the surprised scrivener i cannot guess what you mean sir only that i have brought you the redemption money on the part of lord Glenvarlock in discharge of a certain mortgage over his family inheritance and here in good time comes master reginald Lowstoff and another honourable gentleman of the temple to be witnesses to the transaction i-i incline to think said the scrivener that the term is expired you will pardon us master scrivener said lowestoft you will not baffle us it wants three-quarters of noon by every clock in the city i must have time gentlemen said andrew to examine the gold by tail and weight do so at your leisure master scrivener replied lowestoft again we have already seen the contents of each sack told in weight and we have put our seals on them there they stand in a row twenty in number each containing three hundred yellow hammers we are witnesses to the lawful tender gentlemen said the scrivener this security now belongs to a mighty lord i pray you abate your haste and let me send for lord dalgarno or rather i will run for him myself so saying he took up his hat but Lowestoff called out friend maniples keep the door fast and thou beest the man he seeks but to put off the time in plain terms andrew you may send for the devil if you will who is the mightiest lord of my acquaintance but from hence you stir not till you have answered our proposition by rejecting or accepting the redemption money fairly tendered there lies take it or leave it as you will i have skill enough to know that the law is mightier than any lord in britain i have learned so much at the temple if i have learned nothing else and see that you trifle not with it lest it make your long ears an inch shorter master scurly nay gentlemen if you threaten me said the scrivener i cannot resist compulsion no threats no threats at all my little andrew said lowstaff a little friendly advice only forget not honest andrew i have seen you in alsatia without answering a single word the scrivener sat down and drew in proper form a full receipt for the money proffered i take it on your report master lowstaff he said i hope you will remember i have insisted neither upon weight nor tail i have been civil if there is deficiency i shall come to loss fill up his nose with a gold-piece ritchie quoth the templar take up the papers and now when we merrily to dine thou what'st where if i might choose said ritchie it should not be at yonder roguish ordinary but as it is your pleasure gentlemen the treat shall be given wheresoever you will have it at the ordinary said the one templar at said the other it is the only house in london for neat wines nimble drawers choice dishes and-and high charges quoth richie manipules but as i said before gentlemen ye have a right to command me in this thing having so frankly rendered me your service in this small matter of business without other stipulation than that of a slight banquet the latter part of this discourse passed in the street where immediately afterwards they met lord dalgarno he appeared in haste touched his hat slightly to master lostoff who returned his reverence with the same negligence and walked slowly on with his companion while lord Delgarno stopped ritchie Maniples with a commanding sign which the instinct of education compelled manipules though indignant to obey whom do you now follow sir demanded the noble whomsoever goeth before me my lord answered no sauciness you knave i desire to know if you still serve nigel oliphant said delgarno i am friend to the noble lord Glenvarlock," answered maniplis with dignity true replied lord dalgarno that noble lord has sunk to seek friends among lackeys nevertheless hark thee hither nevertheless if he be of the same mind as when we last met thou mayest show him that on to-morrow at four afternoon i shall pass northward by enfield chase i will be slenderly attended as i design to send my train through barnet it is my purpose to ride an easy pace through the forest and to linger awhile by camlet Moat. he knows the place and if he be aught but an alsatian bully will think it fitter for some purposes than the park he is i understand at liberty or shortly to be so if he fail me at the place nominated he must seek me in scotland where he will find me possessed of his father's estates and lands Humph," muttered ritchie there go twa words to that bargain he even meditated a joke on the means which he was conscious he possessed of baffling lord Delgarno's expectations but there was something of keen and dangerous excitement in the eyes of the young nobleman which prompted his discretion for once to rule his wit and he only answered god grant your lordship may well brook your new conquest when you get it i shall do your errand to my lord is to say he added internally he shall never hear a word of it from ritchie i am not the lad to put him in such hazard lord delgarno looked at him sharply for a moment as if to penetrate the meaning of the dry ironical tone which in spite of ritchie's awe mingled with his answer and then waved his hand in signal he should pass on he himself walked slowly till the trio were out of sight then turned back with hasty steps to the door of the scrivener which he had passed in his progress knocked and was admitted lord delgarno found the man of law with the money-bag still standing before him and it escaped not his penetrating glance that Whitter was disconcerted and alarmed at his approach how now man he said what hast thou not a word of oily compliment to me on my happy marriage not a word of most philosophical consolation on my disgrace at court or has my mien as a whittle and discarded favourite the properties of the gorgon's head the turbati pallidus arma as majesty might say my lord i am glad my lord i am sorry answered the trembling scrivener who aware of the vivacity of lord dalgarno's temper dreaded the consequence of the communication he had to make to him glad and sorry answered lord dalgarno that is blowing hot and cold with a witness hark ye you picture of pity larceny personified if you are sorry i am a cuckold remember i am only mine own knave. there is too little blood in her cheeks to have sent her astray elsewhere well i will bear mine antlered honours as i may gold shall gild them and for my disgrace revenge shall sweeten it i revenge and there strikes the happy hour the hour of noon was accordingly heard to peal from st dunstan's well banged brave hammers said lord dalgarno in triumph the estate and lands of Glenvarlock are crushed beneath these clanging blows if my steel to-morrow prove but as true as your iron maces to-day the poor landless lord will little miss what your peal hath cut him out from the papers the papers thou varlet i am to-morrow northward ho at four afternoon i am bound to be at camlet moat in the infield chase to-night most of my retinue set forward the papers come dispatch my lord the the papers of the Glenvarlock mortgage, I—I have them not. Have them not? Echoed Lord dalgarno Hast thou sent them to my lodgings, thou varlet? Did I not say I was coming hither? What mean you by pointing to that money? What villainy have you done for it? It is too large to be come honestly by. Your lordship knows best," answered the scrivener in great perturbation. "The gold is your own. It is. It is." not the redemption bunny of the glenvar estate said dalgarno dare not say it is or i will upon the spot divorce your pettifogging soul from your carrion carcass so saying he seized the scrivener by the collar and shook him so vehemently that he tore it from the cassock my lord i must call for help said the trembling caitiff who felt at that moment all the bitterness of the mortal agony it was the law's act not mine what could i do dost ask why thou snivelling dribbit of damnation were all thy oaths tricks and lies spent or do you hold yourself too good to utter them in my service thou shouldst have lied I'll I'll sworn truth itself rather than stood betwixt me and my revenge but mark me he continued i know more of your pranks than would hang thee a line from me to the attorney-general and thou art sped what would you have me to do my lord said the scrivener all that art and law can accomplish i will try ah are you converted do so or pity of your life said the lord and remember i never fail my word then keep that accursed gold he continued or stay i will not trust you send me this gold home presently to my lodging i will steal forward to scotland and it shall go hard but that i hold out Glenvarlock castle against the owner by means of the ammunition he has himself furnished thou art ready to serve me the scrivener professed the most implicit obedience then remember the arrow was passed ere payment was tendered and see thou hast witnesses of trusty memory to prove that point my lord i will do more said andrew reviving i will prove that lord Glenvarlock's friends threatened swaggered and drew swords on me did your lordship think i was ungrateful enough to have suffered them to prejudice your lordship save that they had bare swords at my throat enough said replied dalgarno you are perfect mind that you continue so as you would avoid my fury i leave my page below get porters and let them follow me instantly with the gold so saying lord dalgarno left the scrivener's habitation Witter, having despatched his boy to get porters of trust for transporting the money remained alone and in dismay meditating by what means he could shake himself free of the vindictive and ferocious nobleman who possessed at once a dangerous knowledge of his character and the power of exposing him where exposure would be ruin. he had indeed acquiesced in the plan rapidly sketched for obtaining possession of the ransomed estate but his experience foresaw that this would be impossible while on the other hand he could not anticipate the various consequences of Lord Dalgarno's resentment without fears from which his sordid soul recoiled to be in the power and subject both to the humours and the extortions of a spendthrift young lord, just when his industry had shaped out the means of fortune, it was the most cruel trick which fate could have played the incipient usurer. While the scrivener was in this fit of anxious anticipation, one knocked at the door of the apartment and being desired to enter, appeared in the coarse riding cloak of uncut Wiltshire cloth fastened by a broad leather belt and brass buckle which was then generally worn by graziers and countrymen scurlywitter believing he saw in his visitor a a country client who might prove profitable had opened his mouth to request him to be seated when the stranger throwing back his frieze hood which he had drawn over his face showed the scrivener features well imprinted in his recollection but which he never saw without a disposition to swoon is it you he said faintly as the stranger replaced the hood which concealed his features who else should it be said his visitor thou son of parchment got betwixt the ink-horn and the stuffed process-bag that mayest call the pen thy father and the ink thy mother the wax thy brother and the sand thy sister and the good pillory thy cousin allied rise and do reverence unto me thy better not yet down to the country said the scrivener after every warning do not think your grazier's cloak will bear you out captain no nor your scraps of stage plays why what would you have me to do said the captain would you have me starve if i am to fly you must eke my wings with a few feathers you can spare them i think you had means already you have had ten pieces what has become of them gone answered captain culpepper gone no matter where i had a mind to bite and i was bitten that's all i think my hand shook at the thought t'other night's work for i troll the doctors like a very baby and you have lost all then well take this and begone said the scrivener what two poor smelts mary plague of your bounty but remember you are as deep in as i not so by heaven answered the scrivener i only thought of easing the old man of some papers and a trifle of his gold and you took his life were he living answered Culpepper, he would rather have lost it than his money but that is not the question master scurlywitter you undid the private bolts of the window when you visited him about some affairs on the day ere he died so satisfy yourself that if i am taken i will not swing alone pity jack Hemsfield is dead it spoils the old catch and three merry men and three merry men and three merry men are we as ever did sing three parts in a string all under the triple tree for god's sake speak lower said the scrivener is this a place or time to make your midnight catches heard but how much will serve your turn i tell you i am but ill provided you tell me a lie then said the bully a most palpable and gross lie how much do you say will serve my turn why one of these bags will do for the present i swear to you that these bags of money are not at my disposal not honestly perhaps said the captain but that makes little difference betwixt us i swear to you continued the scrivener they are in no way at my disposal they have been delivered to me by tale i am to pay them over to lord Dalgarno, whose boy waits for them and i could not skelder one piece out of them without risk of hue and cry can you not put off the delivery said the bravo his huge hand still fumbling with one of the bags as if his fingers longed to close on it impossible said the scrivener he sets forward to scotland to-morrow ay said the bully after a moment's thought travels he the north road with such a charge he is well accompanied, added the scrivener. But yet, but yet, but what? said the Bravo. Nay, I meant nothing, said the scrivener. Thou didst, thou hadst the wind of some good thing, replied Culpepper. I saw thee pause like a setting dog. Thou wilt say as little and make as sure a sign as a well-bred spaniel. All I meant to say, Captain, was that his servants go by barnet and he himself with his page pass through Enfield Chase, and he spoke to me yesterday of riding a soft pace. Aha! comest thou to me there my boy and of resting continued the scrivener resting a space at camlet moat why this is better than cock-fighting said the captain i see not how it can advantage you captain said the scrivener but a river they cannot ride fast for his page rides the Sumter horse which carries all that weight pointing to the money on the table lord Delgarno looks sharp to the world's gear that horse will be obliged to those who may ease him of his burden said the bravo and egad he, he may be met with he hath still that page that same luton that goblin well the boy hath set game for me ere now i will be revenged too for i owe him a grudge for an old score at the ordinary let me see black felton and dick shakebag we shall want a fourth i love to make sure and the booty will stand parting besides what i can bucket them out of well scrivener lend me two pieces bravely done nobly imparted give you good den and wrapping his disguise closer around him away he went when he had left the room the scrivener wrung his hands and exclaimed more blood more blood i thought to have had done with it but this time there was no fault with me none and then i shall have all the advantage if this ruffian falls there is truce with his tugs at my purse-strings and if lord belgarno dies as is most likely for though as much afraid of cold steel as a debtor of a dun this fellow is a deadly shot from behind a bush then am i in a thousand ways safe 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 We willingly drop the curtain over him and his reflections. End of chapter 34